Drop kick me Jesus through the goalposts of life End over in neither left nor to right Straight through the heart of them righteous uprights Drop kick me Jesus through the goalposts of life Well, welcome to a, uh, <clears throat> I, I wanted to say exciting, but I can't make that promise. Um, so another edition of the Decipio Bear Podcast. Um, Kyle is uh, currently having dinner with his uh, wife's grandmother, so uh, and we're not making this up. So we don't know if he'll be on or not, but uh, at the very least, uh, you get me and Mike Donahue. So, uh, Mike, how are things going? Oh, just dandy, handy. I'll tell you, some real good football we've been watching the last couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, without Kyle's presence today, I guess we're going to be about 240% less stat heavy, I suppose. I mean, who's going to tell us about, I mean, you two, know, 240% less informed. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> fans, much, don't, fans don't come don't here think, to be uh, informed, I don't think. Although, I guess I don't know if Sunday's game really warrants, you know, an informational perspective anyway, but we'll see. But thanks. Doing good. Otherwise. So, I, I found it very, I was trying to think. Now, the Bears have played three home games, and they have basically been booed from the second quarter on in two of them. Is that roughly accurate? Maybe it didn't start quite as early in Grunts Green Bay, but it got pretty loud, and it didn't. They, fans didn't wait last Sunday. They could tell shit was going in the wrong direction right away. Yep. And um, yep. So I was not surprised after the game when Matt Nagy started talking. Basically, was telling the media that we're going to put our horse blinders on and our earmuffs and you're not going to break this team up and blah, blah, blah. And people couldn't understand why he was being so thin-skinned, but I think it's because he spent three and a half hours getting booed. (laughs) 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 Not that he didn't deserve it. Well, uh, and doesn't doesn't Trubisky already play with horse blinders? Or is is that just how it comes off? You know, I... I know it's a cheap shot, but no, it's it, somewhere. You know, Mitch. We talked about earlier in the season that if it, it Mitch needed to get better if this team was going to go to the Super Bowls, which seems laughable now that we really thought that could happen. Um, but if he at least was as good as he was last year, this team would be in good shape. And he has been terrible, not just bad. Yeah, he's regressed. He's been terrible, much worse. I mean, this is worse than he played as a rookie, even in some of those games where John Fox was afraid to let him throw the ball forward. It's yeah. it's it's shocking how bad he's been. I think it was the uh, the third series um, in the first quarter where he had the third, uh, I don't know, third and short. It seemed like they were in third, second and short and third and short all day, and they were flinging the ball all over the field. But early on was when he missed the wide open Gabriel on the left side. And I just, I almost snapped. And I try to be patient. I, I feel like I am sometimes find myself in the position of defending Mitch or having had to do so in the past. Uh, and I, it just something died inside him, just on that play. And it got worse, <laughs> obviously. But, like, right there. And, and, the, and then I, I hear afterwards about it. And they talked about that particular play that Trubisky was, like, 30 out of 30. I mean, that was, boom. He was hitting the guy right in stride. And, and it's showtime. They've got it set up. You make that play. I don't know if, if Gabriel is going all the way in, but whatever. You're moving the change. You're doing something you really haven't been able to do. Uh, and like I said, it just got worse from there. There were a few other plays, but um, it was first quarter, and I'm just like I'm like starting to hate him. I'm just like I'm, I was starting to text some of the people like in my family and friends that I communicate with in the game that I I'm, I'm kind of infuriated already at that toss, and you know it was all downhill from there. But yeah. Well, the, we knew, the game got off to a bad start from the very beginning when we, you tune it in and you see Tom Brenneman is going to be on the call filling in for Joe Buck. So now we're going to get a heavy dose of Brenneman. And then the fact that he apparently doesn't know what a sling is. Because he kept saying Mitch was going to wear a sling on his, <laughs> his left arm. And I'm thinking, okay, that's not a Tom. 
that's not a sling. That's his arm is not in a little, you know, is not being held to his chest by, you know, in a little hammock. It's that's he's wearing a harness. He's not wearing a sling. Um, and then that 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 play you just referenced. Not only were you did it suck the will to live out of you. It really sounded like Troy Aikman was going to try to strangle himself with a mic cord. He he basically yeah. did the you have to be able to make that. I mean that's a that's a high school pass. That's not an NFL route. That's not a college nope. route. That's a that's a pass that if you go to any high school on Friday night, those kids make that pass. And Mitch didn't just kind of, yep. it would have been one thing if he threw it behind Gabriel and made him you know made him turn yeah. a little bit, or because Gabriel's four foot tall, he threw it over his head a little bit. He just completely chucked it into the bench. It's. It, he wasn't even pressured either. The play worked flawlessly. It's to the point where I don't think the Bears could could draw a pass interference penalty because every pass Mitch throws is by definition uncatchable. So the rest <laughs> would just have to wave the flag and pick it up. Say, sorry, that was an uncatchable pass. There is no penalty for pass interference. I can only imagine because that's never actually come into play yet. <laughs> And then, but yeah, I can't wait. As as disgusted as I am with Mitch's play, I and he obviously has to he has to shoulder some of the blame. He he applied for the job of professional football player, and so apparently he thought that he could do it. Um, but the fact that his head coach has what he knows is a completely limited quarterback and refuses to do any of the things that you do to take pressure off your limited quarterback is it's football malpractice. And I, it's, it's just amazing to me that you have a quarterback who is completely inaccurate, who, when he, when he makes the right read, um, and you just refuse to run the ball. And then not only do you refuse to run it, you act like an asshole in the press conference when somebody questions you about it. It was amazing to me how terrible Nagy's explanation, which he should have been cooking up from the middle of the second quarter on, as to how he was going to explain the fact that they weren't going to run the ball. Basically, his explanation was, oh, he said, I don't know what the breakdown was in the first half. And one of the reporters immediately yells, 23 passes, five rushes. And he's like, well, you're not going to run the ball when you're passing and gaining yards and getting first downs. And they're like, you didn't get either of those things. So don't give us that shit. And then he said, well, you know, sometimes, you know, you can't run the ball if you only get two yards on first down. And then you've got you've got second and eight and you've got third and eight. But they had two instances in the first half where they gained seven or more yards. They gained seven yards on one possession, eight on another. So they had second and three. They had second and three. And then third and three, mm-hmm. both were incomplete passes. And then they had second and two and third and two, and they threw two more incomplete passes. Uh-huh. Yep. So what the fuck are you trying to accomplish with any of that? Yeah, I think if you have a, a functional office offense, every now and then throwing on second and two is a great call once in a while, right? If you are running the ball, if you've established the run, then, that, then, then throwing the ball – you almost got a free down, right? Second and two. You know, maybe try to hit him deep. Of course, they're not even doing that. They're just throwing rinky-dink, you know, four-yard passes anyway. But, uh, but no, consistently. I mean, you cite two times that happened in the first quarter, first half. It felt like there were about four or five conservatively, second and two, second and threes. And they, it seems like they threw the ball on both the third, the uh, second and third down. It just, yeah, the play calling, um, you know, definitely probably. But the other thing, and this may be, I don't want to make it too broad of a picture here, too, is just, you're right, Mitch is limited. But ultimately, this is on Nagy because, you know, say what you want about Ryan Pace trading up for a player that he didn't have to trade up for. But Trubisky was going to be a first-round pick anyway, right? Uh, Nagy takes the job. You know he's not going to take the job if he thinks the guy is going to get him fired. It's his job. He's a he's a quarterbacks coach. So as limited as Mitch has been, as bad as he's been, I, some of this is on Nagy for not 
help putting him in position to succeed. He's a quarterback coach, right? Is it? Am I overthinking it? No, I think most of it is on Nagy. You coach the team you have, not the coach you, not the team you wish you had. And if you don't exactly. have a quarterback who can, who can, who's worthy of throwing fifty-four passes in a game, don't throw fifty-four passes in a game. And the idea that well, we had to throw it because we weren't able to run it. You didn't try, and you never try. You can't tell me that five rushes in the first half and two in the second half is any indication that you actually tried. And it's it's a huge part of the reason why that they struggle so much to pass protect. Because why would you? Why as a defensive lineman would you even give? a second thought to the fact that the running back running through the line is actually going to have the ball. So you can just pin your ears back and go. You have a limited offensive line talent-wise anyway. At least, you know, some of those guys aren't very good. And offensive linemen love to run block because they just get to point themselves at somebody and bash into them. And so, you know, they never do it. And I know they had a couple of instances where it was an RPO and Mitch – basically decided he was just going to throw on every RPO. That's not an excuse. Don't call the fucking RPOs then. Make him hand the ball off until you start to gain a Even if you're not getting – well, yeah, ideally you need a first down or two, but you're not sustaining drives. Somebody – if I had my shit together, I would have actually saved the tweet so I would have known. But I don't know if it's Robert Mays, some, one of the f- football geniuses on Twitter, pointed out that the Bears' defense is on the field on average this year like – Nine more plays a game. Well, that doesn't sound How like much that. Cut out for a sec. Like nine more plays a game than they were at this point last year, which doesn't sound like that much. But he said if you extrapolate it over the whole season, it's it turns out to two extra games worth of defensive snaps. Maybe it was eleven. It was either nine or eleven, I think. But um, you know, so you think, well, it's not that many plays, big deal. It does add up, and. There's, I, there's no question that this that the offense's complete inability to do anything is starting to suck the will out, out of the defense, which is already at a disadvantage because, um, you know they have two they have two great defensive linemen and one of them is out for at least the next seven weeks and that has been a huge part of it, and that's another reason why the head coach should function like a head coach and not like an offensive play caller and actually put a game plan together that will take a little of that pressure off of his defense, which is still the strength of his team, but not if it's going to be three plays and punt over and over and over again. I I want to touch upon a couple of things. First of all, the defense, we can save that for later. I agree. A part of the problem is that they're on the field so much, but they also are not completely without blame. No. We'll come back to that, I think, uh, at least the last few weeks. But you're right. Nagy is supposed to be more than just a play caller, and, of course, that's being called into question right now anyway. The the, the real issue that I had, and the one that probably bugged me the most – was his uh, clock management in the second quarter, timeout management, let's call it. I know, I know. We've talked about it before, and Andy Reid's not very good at it either, and and Lovey wasn't great at it. And and, and part of me is, you know, the the, the replay review, first of all, is – been around uh, 20 years maybe and I think a lot of coaches just don't take it seriously enough it's a strategic thing and there's a calculus that goes into when you use it not just not just every time you feel you missed a play sometimes you might have momentum you're driving you don't want you know uh, there's a time there's really is a strategy to using it he completely doesn't get it and he blew two timeouts in the second quarter the second one the last one it was the second and third ones that he had the first one was when the Saints had the ball, and on third and six, Bridgewater scrambled and got barely got the first down. Okay, uh, they were still not across midfield on this drive. The Bears were winning ten to nine, and he challenges the freaking spot. Which you know, I don't have the data, I don't have the metrics to look it up, but I'd be willing to bet that of all of the plays that have been challenged in the history of the replay system, that challenges on uh, possession um, get overturned the least they're hard for whatever reason even if like you look at the camera and you see it it's 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 not a it's too high of a risk typically and under these circumstances it was it was particularly annoying it was he was risking his second time out of the half and uh and and, and even if he wins the challenge the saints are going to line up it's like fourth and a foot okay 
it's it's just not worth it. I, I at that point, the way the defense had not been playing well, going back to the Raiders game, I'm not going to stick my neck out and give them a chance to stuff it. Screw it. Get out. You had your chance, you know, to to to, to get them off the field. There, you're going to get three more plays here and get them off. I wouldn't even go down that path. But no, he he he, he burns the the challenge, and now he's down to one timeout. And then this timeout gets used. When the Bears are on offense, and this is that sequence which, to me, really ultimately crystallized the really the bad, dark feeling in my soul that this might not, um, this pro- this doesn't feel like it's going to work out. And that was when uh, another third and two, you know, go figure. And oh my God, Nagy's headset went out, mm-hmm. and it was like you would have thought that the stadium was on fire. The way he was reacting, I, I get it. It's a tense situation. The clock's running down. You've got a quarterback that you obviously don't really trust to begin with, but you know what? You're the coach. You're the leader of men. Uh, restore some order. Restore some calm. And he and you could just see it watching on the TV. His body language, and he, he's yelling an entire encyclopedia to Trubisky, who we've already established is, you know, maybe to put it charitably, you know has difficulty processing information and and it's third and two you know i don't mean to be a meatball about it but you know line up run a goddamn play and get the first down instead he's calling him over he's all panicked he's shouting all this instructions at him trubisky's about to go back to the other he's like no 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 let me let me throw more information into your head and and then even after trubisky goes away for good you see Nagy shouting something else after him the look on his face was not the look of a confident head coach and then trubisky goes out there third and two Still can get the playoff though. After all that, you know, and then we know the Bears have had trouble with that, you know, for years now. There's two seconds on the clock. They're set. The ball's about to be snapped, and Nagy calls his last time out of the half. It just undermine, just completely, just shits the tub, really, in, in in a lot of respects. And then, of course, now that you call the timeout, well, here's your opportunity to slow down, draw a play up in the dirt. Figure it out. So what happens after all of this, after all the, the frantic, our hair's on fire, headsets out, and I can't trust you with the instructions. I just screamed at you, and now we're going to call a play. And I think that was the one where he just throws it 20 yards over Miller's head, who I think was not, you know, might have been covered anyway. I, no, I'm sorry. That was the play that ended where he threw the ball into double coverage. Yep. And the only thing that prevented an interception was the two Saints D-backs fighting collided with each other. Yep. So, yeah. to me, right, just that moment, I'm just in my head, and I tweeted it. I just said, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, if you had any questions still about whether this team was well coached, that sequence should have ended it forever. It, because every every team has to have a backup system in place for when the headset craps out. Right, all you have to do is have a few plays that you can literally signal in from the sidelines. And you pick from one of those. And it was the down and distance were very favorable for that. Like you said, it's third and two. So you can just, you know, you, you've got a handful of plays that you should be able to get two yards with. And you just dial one of those up. So obviously they couldn't do that. Well, you have another option. And that's send a player in with a play. Just like pretend it's 1978. And your or whatever year it was, and you're Tom Landry, and you just shuttle plays in with the tight end. You just switch tight ends after every play, and he, the new one comes in with the play. It mm-hmm. was just amazing to me, but you're right. It was it was sheer panic that set in on him. And he, so he gets Mitch's attention. He gets him over, and you're right. He, he gives a 19-word play to Mitch. <laughs> Mitch goes in to call it, and either Nagy realized, you know, this kid is Carolina dumb, so there's no way he remembered that play, or more likely, he saw the defense and changed his mind. Oh shit! I should have called this play, and burns the timeout anyway. But to me, the single, the 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 play that proved it beyond all doubt that this team is is not just not well coached; it's poorly coached. Was the play at the, the play at the end of the first half when there's there's thirty some seconds left when the ball is snapped and. Um, Mitch rolls out and he's trying to get um, Tariq Cohen to, to change his route to go up the sideline a little bit. Tariq doesn't. He just stops. He's just standing on the sidelines. And then Mitch throws the ball away. It's like, no, Mitch, it's third down with 30 seconds left in the half. The Saints don't have any timeouts. You just slide down and the yeah. half is over. 
but he throws it away. The Bears punt. The Saints run the fucking punt back for a touchdown, and the only thing that saved them was there was a penalty. They literally would have given the Saints seven points because, A, Mitch doesn't know how much time is left. Mitch doesn't know that the other team is out of timeouts, which is something that a coach should have told him. Tariq basically quits on a play right on the sidelines. Like, well, screw it. Even if I run up the sides, he's not going to be able to get me the ball. It's just, it, it just showed this is not an NFL. This team is not coached to an NFL caliber. And yep. I don't care that Matt Nagy is the defending coach of the year. I don't care that he's got, what, two more years on his contract and Ryan Pace got a freaking extension. We are just, if, I'm, you know, the McCaskies, they've paid two coaches before, and I know they don't ever want to have to do it again. But we're just stuck with these guys. This is not, well, we'll just do a little tweak here, a little tweak there. Things will be better. This is them after they've tweaked it. They've wasted a lot of money on offensive playmakers who don't make plays. They horribly evaluate. I will never be able to, every time I look at Ryan Pace for the rest of my life, I'm going to say you were the guy who went out and evaluated three first-round quarterbacks and picked the one who isn't just a little bit, he's not just not as good as Deshaun Watson and uh, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that's forgivable. Everybody, you know, he right. can't play. He still he, could have been good. He yeah. can't play. You picked, You had the second pick in the draft. You had your pick of the quarterbacks, and you picked the one who will not be in the league in two years. How do you screw it up that bad? Yeah. I cannot, although I cannot conceive it, I'm willing to concede that, hey, Prove me wrong <laughs> at this point, but I'll be happy if all of a sudden Nagy becomes confident and less panicky and more in control and Trubisky starts. I mean, you know, like you said, he was the coach of the year. Trubisky did look good at spurts. Um, but right now, I mean, the way things just went from bad to worse, you know, coming off that Raiders game, a good team bounces back, all right? You forget about that game. You don't let that be the beginning of a slide. It really, it fe- and I'm not, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not speaking for myself. I'm sure I'm speaking for a lot of people that it really kind of reminded, uh, it really felt Tressman-esque yeah. at some points there where, where it, just, it just started sliding downhill and it just continued to get worse. That game got where it was bad from the beginning. You know, they get the, the punt blocked and um, but they still, you know, Patterson bails them out with a kick return. They they find themselves with the in the with the lead at one point. So you know, frustrating half, and it just got worse. Uh, and it just it, it, it's happened before. We've seen it. We didn't expect it this year. But yeah, by the I mean, it was so bad that even Brenneman wasn't annoying me by the fourth. I was able to tune him out. Mm-hmm. I was I was even beyond anger. I think at some point. Um, it was, it's shocking. And again, it's early. Theoretically, they can turn it around. I can't conceive of it, but I'm willing to, uh, I'm willing to grant that there's time, but based on just what we've seen, I, you know, I, there's no way I'd put any money on it. I mean, I'd, I'd be more than happy to be wrong. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, this is my team. I love the bears. I, you know, and right. I just don't see how I am. They have nothing to fall back on. That's what makes them from a struggling team to a team that looks like it's just going to get into free fall because they have a limited quarterback, but they have they don't have the will or the the desire or the will to run the football. He yeah. just, he doesn't want to do it. You know, you, he, uh, you had you had a tweet that I enjoyed greatly because I I thought it before I saw it in the written word thanks to you, and that was. Second series, maybe third third possession, when on first down they did run it to Montgomery and he got about six, and then he fumbled. That was the first and, play, <laughs> first or second play of the second. Half. And your and your tweet was, "Oh, great! You know now Nagy's got an excuse not to give him the ball on first down again." As silly as that sounds, it, only, it may well have been true. But they only ran the ball, only ran the ball one more time after that. They had one um, more rush after that play. Did their Swiss Army knife of a running back, Cordero Patterson, actually have more carries than Montgomery? Because awfully close. I know he had two hand he had two handoffs in that, and they only had what, seven, how many carries in the well, game? How about the seven fact that Tariq Cohen team? caught nine passes for nineteen yards? That's, oh, for how many yards? Nineteen for how many yards. 
19. He averaged just over two yards of reception. Somewhere John Shoop was like, wow, that's impressive. How'd you do that? Uh, it was... <laughs> oh, God, I wish I saw another stat that was so equally inept, and I can't recall it now, but it was it was basically about a yards per completion. I think, I think that might have been what it was, because... Yeah, like four yards per completion. Mind numbing. That's yeah. Fifty-four complete, fifty-four pass attempts. Yeah, they. And I mean, and so the Bears still now we're we're seven weeks into the season, six games in, and they still have not gained three hundred yards in yep. a game yet. And that's they, with Mitch throwing for what two hundred and fifty four yards in this game, and they didn't get to three hundred total yards because they ran for seventeen. Well, and 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 even the, even those Mitch yards oh, were the last bullshit. two. It was all the, the garbage same. time because going into the fourth quarter or going into the last two drives, maybe three, they had one hundred and twenty yards, which at that point was less than forty yards per, which translated to less, well, well under two hundred. So yeah, not only have they not gotten a three hundred, they just figured, well, let's just let's just lower the floor on this whole thing. But the garbage time may have put them beyond their their low their low for the season. But I mean, even even Allen Robinson caught ten passes, but for only eight, well, <laughs> eighty-seven yards. Jesus. Um, I know you invariably listen to the score. Sometimes hate listen, um, and I do too. But I'll admit that. The uh, the morning guys with Bernstein, they you know how they can be pretty uh, take the task. A lot of fans from Elmwood Park with the meatball takes, and they decided uh, to just open the doors and and they weren't going to shut anybody down. And they got Pat Manley's meatball take, uh, which I quite enjoyed when I heard it. You know, former long snapper Patrick Manley. <laughs> his take was kind of funny, and actually, there's almost a little bit of wisdom in it. His meatball take was sit Allen Robinson out because he's the to, only to guy make... that Mitch is looking at. <laughs> well, Mitch decides to throw to Robinson in the huddle. There's no doubt about it. There are plays where he's like, Allen is obviously the first read, and that's the only read. Mitch is going to throw it regardless of whether he's open. Allen could blow out both knees at the line of scrimmage, Wendell Davis style, and be laying uh-huh. on his face. And Mitch will still throw the ball to him. Yep. Well, he yeah, open. he just locks in. I was face down on the grass, but I was open. All right, so here's how the rushes <laughs> broke down. This is really great. Tariq Cohen, three rushes for 10 yards, long of nine. Uh, David Montgomery, two rushes for six yards, long of four with a lost fumble. Cordero Patterson, one rush for two yards. And Anthony Miller... One rush for minus one yards and a lost fumble. Wow. So, so they're, they're starting running back. They're, they're top draft pick this year. The guy that they re- got rid of Jordan Howard for, whatever. I'm not, I'm not bemoaning that. I'm just saying, essentially, their top draft pick. I know he's not technically a first round pick. Had as many, he had two, how many carries did you say he had? He had uh, two. I, that infu- that blows my. I thought he had me at least four. All right, so he had exactly as many carries as two wideouts. Yeah, combined. Yeah, that's that's how they roll. But you know, they're two carries. That, they're that they're is, passing that the setup. So, it, that's what that's what old visor boy will tell you. <laughs> so, I know that. Uh, go ahead. So on Twitter, uh, Kurt Warner, not the old. Uh, not the old uh, Seahawks running back. Seattle Seahawks. But the guy the yeah. the guy who used to stock shelves at the come and go somewhere in Iowa. Um, I believe it was Hyvie. Oh, come and go. Hall of Famer. Tweeted out that he was he, he broke down all the Bears pass plays and or all the plays and said they do not they are not currently running an offense, they're simply running a series of plays. And that's what I always said about the Dowell Loggins thing which was it's no no play ever sets another play up these plays don't relate to each other you're not confusing the defense with oh i know what's coming in this formation because they run this play out of it and then you run something completely different it's like he just randomly picking things off of that off of that ridiculous play sheet of his and yeah. um 
And then he has such weird answers to the question, like, are you going to, um, are you thinking about giving play calling up? And he goes, if I did, you wouldn't know it. That has to be a secret. Who's calling the plays? Um, well, it's, it's also clear it's also, that there, he, he, whenever he gets asked questions, he does two things in, in the post game that drive me crazy. And he does them both on purpose. The first thing he does is he, well, this isn't even the post game. This is his, the Monday press conference. He doesn't meet with the trainer until after the press conference so that he can say he doesn't know, he can't give any injury updates. They do that on purpose, which is whatever. But in the post game, okay. he always, when he gets asked questions, I have to see the tape. I have to look at the tape, which says to me, I can't tell because I'm, I'm at field level, which also says to me that when your offense is struggling, you shouldn't be the one calling the plays. You've got they have like four de facto offensive coordinators, and one of them sitting up in the box could could call these plays with input from Nate. You don't have to give the whole thing up, but if right. if your crutch and either it's bullshit, which most likely is, he just doesn't want to answer the question, or it really is hard to see everything on the field, which I'm sure it is, then take that part of it away. Have somebody else be the one who actually calls the plays, or at least try it for a little while. What the hell do you have to lose at this point? You don't have a functional offense. I will say that what he, what he says, according to you, I didn't hear that, that if I was not calling the plays, you wouldn't know. I find that discouraging. (laughs) Cause that means, that that means it's going to be the same shit. Well, yeah, he didn't mean it. You're right. I, you could take it both ways. A, even if I'm not calling plays, this is going to suck. So you're not going to know the difference. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Basically, what the way he was saying it was, um, you're not going to be able to, when you look at like him on the sidelines, you're not going to be able to tell that he's not the one who's calling in the place. I have no idea, other than his ego, what that possibly gains them. It's not like the other team is, you know, well, maybe they are. Maybe, they're, maybe they've got binoculars out and they're trying to read his lips and they just want to know what the plays are. At this point, there's no sense of trying to steal their plays because Mitch can't right. run them anyway. So it wouldn't do you any good. Even if you knew what the play was supposed to do, Mitch isn't going to run it that way. So you're actually going to be out of position. So you might as well just react right. to the chaos that he's creating by running around being confused all the time. There was um, there was there was a, a play that I, I, tw- I retweeted today that, and I'm you know not a ha- not a huge fan of a lot of analysts because they can you know be pretty vacuous and Brian Baldinger is among them. However, he's a former player. Whatever and he brought he he tweeted something that I retweeted today because it really, it just struck me is very logical. Didn't I don't know really know that you need to be all expert to break it down, but if you see it. He breaks down, and I don't know when this play happened, but it was a handoff to Cohen between the tackles, out of the shotgun, of course. But when the play starts, uh, Baldinger points out that you basically see six blockers and six defenders in the screen, in the box. All right, so there's six people to deal with, and when it when the play happens, you see that on the both the right and the left side, um, the the guard and tackle basically double team the interior lineman. A huge hole, but what but what happens on this play was, and and the implication that Baldinger makes, which I think is valid, is that Nagy is so uh, into his tricks and his you know motion and stuff, he put one of his wideouts in motion uh, from left to right, and what that did was it brought in a seventh defender into that box. So you, you know, so if you, so if the play was just run without a man in motion, it would have been flawless. Because if you can find this tweet, you'll see what, what I'm talking about. Because both double teams are successful, they sort of hemmed off the outside, and there's a huge hole just to the left of the center, which was immediately filled by the the D back that was uh, you know trailing the runner in motion. Runner comes in motion. All of a sudden, the D-backs in the scene. Now they have seven. The ball gets snapped. Everybody else does their job. Cohen runs right into the guy that was brought into the basically right behind the line when you set the man in motion. It's like, you know, I felt that that was pretty damning. You get too cute for yourself. uh, And, you know, with the man in motion, and you just, I don't know what you're doing. You're just just playing around, and you're shooting yourself in the foot. It's like, um, here's a very, there's a timely comparison. It's like Kevin Lockery 
having Gene Banks go set picks on Michael Jordan's man, which all it would do is bring a second defender over to get in Michael's way. That's exactly <laughs> what Navy's doing with his offense. No, but that would leave Granville Waiters wide <laughs> open, see? <laughs> that's, that's, where you, that's where you missed the point, Andy. They might have, Dave Corzine was probably around for that, too. <laughs> You're right. I still I know he was a local product Hersey High, but I never forgave the Bulls for dealing the A train for local hero Hersey High, DePaul University, Dave Corzine, who it, it was as he's like a center and he's taking twenty foot jumpers. I'm like, what? What is this? Anyway, so I don't want to tell somebody else's story, but on uh, one of Kelly Dwyer's podcasts, he told the story about as a kid growing up in the suburbs. Dave Corzine lived in the same suburb he did. And he was walking home from school, okay. and he sees this very tall man shooting baskets, like, at the park. And he realizes, even as a kid, he's like, holy crap, that's Dave Corzine. So he ran of home. Of the Bulls at this point. Yes. Right? So he ran home to get a basketball, and the first pen he could find, which was like a ballpoint pen. And he runs back with the basketball to have Dave Corzine sign it, and Dave's gone. But that was the whole story. <laughs> As only Kelly could tell it, I reckon. So, yes, we have we've thoroughly thrashed the uh, the offense and the head coach, but as you correctly deduce, there is a serious problem with the one part mm-hmm. of the team that is actually supposed to be good. And mm-hmm. while the the fact that the offense is not sustaining drives is part of the problem, it can't be the whole problem. This is they're giving up huge swaths of yards to mm-hmm. um, a Raider team two well three weeks ago thanks to the bye that was playing without any functional wide receivers and a Saints team that was missing its Hall of Fame quarterback and its All Pro running back. I mean, both of those games set up for the Bear defense to make up for the deficiencies of the offense. And they didn't come And a tight close. end, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, they were also, the Saints were missing their starting tight end. Yeah. So that's not good. I, that's my analysis on that. Well. That's not good. Giving um, up 280 passing yards to Teddy Two Gloves is not optimal. He, that Teddy Bridgewater is are. a is a functional NFL quarterback, which the Bears don't yeah, have good one. Backup. But he's not that good, and he had his way there, with them. You know, we were all um, justifiably enthusiastic just a few weeks ago about two young linebackers in particular that uh, you know that seemed to augment Mac, augment the defense, and it just seems as quickly as we had figured that they had arrived. Um, they've all of a sudden gone AWOL. So Roquan, which we still don't know what caused his mysterious absence from a game that they won in spite of his absence against the Vikings. But, and I don't know if it's related to his performance on the field, but he seems lost. And then Floyd, kind of the same thing. There's just one play in particular with Floyd that I, I just, I had to shake my head. And I don't know if you're going to remember this play. New Orleans runs some sort of a rinky dink high school option play with that, uh, that white running back. I forget the guy's name, but oh, Taysom Hill. when you see it on the re- Hill, that's his name. Sorry. And Floyd was containing the outside and he, he clearly had in his field of vision, both guys. He had, he had the halfback. I assume it was the halfback. I don't remember yeah. the play now exactly. Who had the ball. It was the, oh, it was the, was, right. It was, it was the fullback. Right. They, again? Gave, they gave the ball to the fullback. It looked like the fullback was going to take it off. That's tackle, it. And he read, yeah. um, all the, all the more reason for, fl- and then yes. he, and he was, able to, right. it's a pretty sweet play. And honestly, you're, I don't know why it's a defensive work. end is fucked in that because if you if you go to tackle him, which is most likely your assignment, he's going to pitch it, and then there's nobody outside of you to stop it. And if you go after the outside guy, the fullback's going to turn it up, and he's going to get the first down. That's a well. He didn't necessarily have to commit to either. Is my point. I think he, you know, I mean, the fullback was shadowed. I mean, he had a, he had a he had a step and a half on 
I don't know who, probably an end or, or, or tackle. I'm probably, I don't know who it was. Uh, so he's possibly going to beat that guy. He just, he just, I don't know. I felt like he overcommitted. Um, he just disregarded Hill. I, so maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm being hard on Floyd on that particular play. It just seemed to me that, you know, he could have sort of kept his kept his distance for a few more strides instead of committing to the the fullback. I mean, it's a fullback. I, I mean, how how quickly is he going to turn the corner on on the t- tackle? I mean, it was a good play, but you know what? We had visions in our head that Floyd was, you know. Wilbur Marshall 2.0, or maybe that was Roquan because he wears 58. We thought he was going to be an elite. Just seems like an elite outside uh, pass rushing linebacker isn't going to bite so hard on that play. And that was a 25 yard play. Floyd almost intercepted a pass that was thrown like 20 yards past him because he's so freaking tall. He just, he jumped up to pat it down, missed it, but it I just that. went over. It's like holy crap, that's a tall man. But yes, he is not. He's He's been really good in what five games in his NFL career. Well, part of his problem early was wasn't performance as much as performance related to his inability to stay healthy. Yeah. So I'm not dogging him really for his career, but he yeah, it felt like the second half of last year, you know, he had arrived, and that dovetailed with Roquan pretty much being a solid player his entire rookie year. Um, and the, the I mean, it was wasn't three, four weeks ago when we were getting pretty giddy about our linebacking core. And, you know, I just, th- those guys seem to have leveled off. I mean, you know what, th- th- they're taking make out, they're taking Mac out of place. Certainly Gruden made sure Mac wasn't going to eat his lunch and, you know, fricking Mac was being quintuple teamed in that game. Just n- nobody else picked him up, not just Floyd or, or Mac, but, or not Mac, not Floyd or Roquan, but, it, you know, I'm not putting anything on on Mac. That guy is all world. Nobody else is stepping up. Yeah, Roquan made a tackle in the third quarter, and I literally thought, "Wow, I've that's the first time I've seen him." You know, I mean, he had not made <laughs> a single play. Like, oh yeah, there's Roquan. That's right, he's on this team. Yeah, I forgot today because he hasn't done anything. Yeah. So there you have it. I mean, well, even when we were lowering our expectations for the offense, you know, we we had bargained ourselves down to, well, you know, if we don't make too many mistakes on offense, uh, maybe the defense can carry us all the way. And now we don't even have that. It, it would appear. Yeah, and part Again, of it's early. Part of Mac's lack of production has got it's on Pagano. So you have got to find a way to free him up because if you have any chance of you know, you're going to have to get turnovers to score points. You know, either set the offense up or score it yourself. And the only way you're going to do that is to take your best player and get him where he can – get him advantageous matchups. And he's disappeared for two weeks. And it's not because he's not playing hard. And it's not because he forgot how to play. At some point, you have to be able to out-scheme the other team, at least on a handful of plays, so that he can have an impact. Yeah. And they just haven't done it. He's been a non-factor for two yeah. weeks now keep them from taking him out you can do that you know you can respond to their their schemes to take him out um have they had a turnover in the last two games aside from that absolute gift from Derek carr have they even had a turnover offhand do you know in the last two weeks they didn't have one against the saints they had two against oakland what was Um, the one besides the one that was handed to him didn't fuller have an interception God, I don't remember. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you might be right now. Okay, all right. One turnover in two games, though, against those two offenses, missing all of those parts. That's uh, You can't just chalk that up to suck and win because you're on the field for three quarters of a game. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Right, that thing moved on me. Um, crap. This is a great podcasting one. trying to look up the... But it looks like Khalil forced a fumble against the Raiders. And okay. Where's the other interception? Again. No. Again, the, you know, an Oakland team with none of their receivers. A Saints team without the running back quarterback. Prince Amukamara and Khalil Mack both had fumble recoveries against the Raiders. All right. They did not have an interception in that game. 
Well, they, that's that averages a one a game, both of them being in LA and against the Raiders. So they should be able to do more than that against those two teams. But hey, at least the Bears have their first round draft. No way, they don't. That's <laughs> man. The Raiders have to be drooling now. They're like, oh God, who knew that that first round pick the second year might actually turn out to be pretty good? Isn't it funny how things change, man? Because we were like, ah, the Raiders be lucky to win three games. Bears have their right. second round no, pick. We, it's going to be like getting an extra first already, round pick. This is great. Yeah, we'd already we'd already figured it out. The Bears are only basically trading down five or six spots because the Raiders are going to be at the bottom of the league and the Bears are going to be at the top. Yeah. So now the freaking Raiders are probably going to win seven or eight games, and the so the Bears second round pick from them is going to be right in the middle, and the Raiders are going to fatten up on a nice high bear uh, pick. And then, well, then it's like, is it even going to matter? <laughs> I mean, if what if this thing gets worse? I mean, could F- could Pace lose his job if it just absolutely just becomes a runner a runaway train? If I, they like the Bears of '89 under Mike Ditka, I honestly don't think they'll win another game all year, and they didn't. I mean, if they go three and thirteen, is that going to eat all those contracts or like? I know I'm dealing with a worst-case scenario that's, in fairness, probably as unrealistic as them turning it around. But, man, at this point, it seems like everything's on the table. Yeah, I mean, I don't – it's – if it was a normal, functional football franchise, Pace would have to pay for botching the second pick in the draft three years ago. And Nagy would get tossed because he just doesn't seem like a real NFL head coach. Um, but it's not. And I, I can't – I almost can't envision a scenario, no matter how bad it gets, where they're not both back next year. Um, you, if anybody goes, it's going to be Nagy. It's not going to – but that, that allows – I know we didn't really get to pick. Pace – you'd say, well, this is – that would be – Pace would get to pick three head coaches. His third hire. But he didn't pick yeah. John Fox. He was well, he was assigned John Fox. That who, was an actual George McCaskey who call. was completely checked out. Was ba- just in it for the paycheck. It oh was yeah, like, it was like Dusty from 04 on, yeah. where it's like, well, at least I can pay my, no, at least no. I can pay the IRS. Um, <laughs> and honestly, was a better coach <laughs> than what Matt Nagy is right now. And that's horribly sad because John Fox was not much. Now he was a decent coach in his day, but he was nothing special. And like you said, checked out by the time he got to Chicago. All right. Well, looking ahead, why not? What the, else? Can, what, what choice do we have? The Los Angeles Chargers of San Diego. Yeah. In. If you think the Bears are a mess, the Chargers are more of a mess. Amazingly. So what do you think Vegas has set the line at? Well, yeah, it's funny. Uh, We're completely eulogizing, or not completely, but eulogizing this Bears team, and yet they are about to go into their seventh consecutive game at the start of the season as a favorite. I don't even know what the line is, but they've got to be a, what, two-and-a-half-point favorite? They are a four-point favorite. (laughs) Uh, you know, they actually hit the over last week. <laughs> yeah, you can hit the over when you let the other team, you know. The, the Saints almost hit it by themselves, and then the Bears hit a couple of garbage touchdowns to push it way over. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. The over-under for, this week is, oh, I just lost it, is 41. And you say four and a half or four? Four. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't want them to suck, obviously. Like you said, I'm a Bears fan. Yeah. I do feel that getting a team like this would, uh, you know, is, <laughs> at this point, I'm so down. And my most optimistic take is that all this does is delay the sort of inevitable. There is that possibility, though, that they absolutely, you know, bottom out and lose by two touchdowns here in which case I can't imagine what direction the season's going but I 
I think even in spite of themselves, they're going to win. But you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna. For the, I think this is the, the first time that I'm not drinking the Kool Aid. The Bears are gonna win by a field goal. They're not gonna cover. Um, how about the fact that 21. the? How about the fact that the most stable position? Yep. On I, the I team today. is kicker. Eddie kicker. Pinero's actually good. We don't even worry yeah. about it anymore. And uh, he actually uh, and Pat O'Donnell he actually, actually was good. able to. Yeah, but but I thought of that today, Pinero, that that was like the we thought that this team was so geared, so geared to compete at the highest level that their only question mark was place kicker. And voila, yeah. six weeks or six weeks into the season, it's the it's the one stable point. I mean, they they were actually able to squeeze some points out of that short bus offense when Panero nailed a that was a pretty long kick, right? They took the lead on they, one of their one of their uh, remedial drives that the Bears had got just enough to put them into his range, and he nailed it. It was a long kick; he, he hit it so. So yeah, I think uh, I'm gonna measure my pes- pessimism. I'm not saying the Bears are back, um, but I want to give them an opportunity to turn it around. And even if it's an ugly game, I mean, it'd be great if they come out and look like a different team, and they just light it up. It's 28 nothing at halftime. Uh, but obviously, you'd be a fool to even think that would be happening. If you, um, so with that in mind. I'd like to. I'd like to see the W. I'm gonna expect it to be ugly. Bears by, by a Pinero field goal. I'm gonna say 24-21. There'll probably be some defensive miscues that lead to easy scores still. So I'll take the over actually. So I am um, for the second straight week. I'm taking the opponent. Uh, I think the Chargers are gonna beat the Bears because the Chargers have an actual professional quarterback. Philip Rivers. Um, it's too bad Jay's not still around because I love the fact that those two hated each other. So did much. they? Yes, they loathed each other. Um, I was uh, I was at the Raiders game um, where Cutler outdueled Rivers, but then turned out he got hurt in that game. Well, that would have been 2011. I think I would ago. take if it was if it was Philip Rivers, his wife, and the nine kids. Against the Bears, I think I might take Philip, the wife of the nine kids. Um, and I'm going to say that it is uh, uh, 24 to six. So I'm going to take the under. I don't. I don't even anticipate this being close. What did you? What did you have for a score? 21 six. 24 six. San. Oh well, Let's call them San Diego. So I was just looking at the schedule here, the rest of the way. Why does it always do this? What you got? What so, you got? Trying to figure out how many more call. wins are on this Bears schedule. Now the Chargers—that's obviously that's a winnable game. Even though I didn't pick them, that's one. Well, that's think, one they could win. Then they go to do change. Then they go to the Eagles. Well, let's just do current state. If given what we know about the teams on the schedule, which ones of these games yep. do we think the Bears could win? The Eagles have, are also struggling, but that's at—it's in Philly. And they yep. also have a real quarterback, Carson Wentz, although he gets hurt yeah. when the wind blows. So. Now, I'm going to interrupt real quick, just so you know. Um, I don't watch a lot of non-Bears football, just to be just full disclosure. I mean, I've watched, obviously, tons of football in my 47 years, but in the last war. But I did settle in to watch about a quarter and a half of the Sunday night game. Uh, that was not good. I didn't care who won. Yeah, I didn't even care. I'm just like something to, you know, it's just something to do for a half hour while I'm folding some laundry. And I was just watching Wentz, and I was still bitter about the Bears game. And I know Wentz, you know, he's whatever. He's got his critics as well. But just watching his footwork, and that, and that reminds me of another thing with Mitch is is, and this comes back to Nagy, the, the fact that, and you pointed out that he actually sometimes looked better under Fox than he does under Nagy. His footwork is terrible. Like he doesn't, he's an athletic kid. He used to scramble for years. He doesn't even know. He all of a sudden it's like Rex Grossman feet back yep. there. Like he, the, the, the pocket closes in and he doesn't escape it. I know that that's a, you know, that's a skill, but that's a skill that Mitch definitely has. I'm watching Carson Wentz and just his footwork, you know, like he's being pressured, but he's keeping the play alive. 
and he's getting off a decent throw. Whether or not it's completed is immaterial. And I'm just, I'm just like there, right there. I'm watching Carson Wentz. He's a little bit more proven. And but even even when he's not having a great game, just just simple, you know, regular plays, moving around. You're not seeing that at all with Mitch. End of end of digression. Um, but yeah, when you see when you see, when you see a good quarterback, it's like Mitch plays a different sport. It's his, <laughs> his fundamentals are so poor that any any advantage that his because he's a, he's an athletic person. Any sure. advantage that should give him goes out the window because he can't take advantage of his athleticism. Because how about the fact that what they decided to run, they ran the freaking option with him on one play, and so and uh, I think Aikman criticized me. Said, "Well, they ran that to the right, which meant that his bad shoulder was the one yep. closest to the de- defense, and Mitch didn't want the, the, to the do one it. that was in Tom, the one that was in Tom Brennerman's sling." Right. So the so if you think about it, so if they ran it, and that was the short side of the field, which is also asinine. I remember that play. Yep. Did they not run it the other way because he couldn't pitch the ball with his left hand? And if so, then don't run the play. If his if his shoulder's not healthy enough for him to pitch the ball with that arm, then he probably shouldn't get hit on it going the opposite direction. And Mitch completely right. bailed out on it because he didn't want to get hit. It was it was an embarrassment. Right. So they got the Eagles next week. Um. Then the then the frisky lions, um, yeah, who have had a chance to have a winning record. They were in Green Bay. They gave it away again. Then they lost again. Yep. They've turned right yeah. back into the lions again. So that game's winnable. That yep. game's at home. That game's winnable. They go out to L.A. to play the Rams. The Rams have been bad, but that's you know a month away, and I have a feeling they will have fixed many of their issues by then they put a put a, put more, a thorough whooping on the bears i would guess it more more likely to expect the rams to turn it around because of their track record than the bears obviously so yeah then they get the giants who they should have beat last year when they were playing well and didn't um then i forgot about this they get to ruin thanksgiving for us they're in detroit ooh so that'll be fun well, you know, guy. Honest to God, though, that's not as rough of a patch as I thought. No, this should be part the, of me. Worries this should this be is, the part of your schedule: Chargers, Eagles, Lions, Rams, who were not playing well. But even if you lose that game, no big deal. Giants, Lions. Yep. That's where you should fatten up and get back in yep. this thing. And so it's if they do great. If they don't, then there's no chance because the schedule gets yeah crazy after that. They All finish right. up with so the. So after the after the second Detroit game, then they host the Cowboys, they go to Green Bay, they host the Chiefs, and they go to Minnesota. Oof. So those are they're gonna lose their last four. <laughs> yeah, one and three. Yeah. Okay. That's seven, that's nine and seven. So they'd have to all right. They basically have to win the next four and hope they can go three and one <laughs> and the final four just to go ten and six. Right. Yeah, and the way football works if you know, if they did get on a roll somehow, well, no. well, then all yeah. of a sudden that, cow- that Cowboy game, the Cowboys aren't that good. That Cowboy game is not a terrible game. You go to Green Bay and, you know, maybe Aaron Rodgers will be hurt. He gets hurt every year now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kansas City well, comes in and will just uh, just obliterate the Bears. And then you can go to Minnesota. You've already beat them once. So it's not, yeah. it's not tragic, but I don't know. I, I don't. Have, I feel I have, like I have zero uh, confidence in any of this. No, I feel. I, but I, I actually feel like that schedule is going to prolong the agony and give us false hope. There are going to be some wins in there. I'm telling you, they're not that bad. They can't be. And if they are, again, it's a whole different conversation. Um, so but like right now, like if if they, like if they play seven and nine, eight and eight. Right, I mean, if they played like we, you know, like we thought they would optimally coming into the season, and you know, let's just say for shits and giggles, are five and one, and then you're thinking, man, you you've got a chance, you know, not only you're gonna wipe the floor in the next month, but you can you go toe to toe with those teams on the stretch. Instead, it's like, well, we might back into a couple victories when you know some ball goes off the punt returner's face mask in Detroit and you know the Eagles go to crap and then somehow you know but then still get blown out by the Chiefs and the and the Packers and and then go nine and seven and miss the playoffs that's kind of that's kind of where 
it feels like the best case scenario is, and that's frankly not a lot of fun. But you know, I mean, what, there's what choice a, do we have? They came back. They took the lead in, against Oakland. They should have won that game. Yep. So then, defense on that one. then if they, so then they come home instead of uh, three and two, they're four and one. They get the bye. Mm-hmm. They play the Saints. They play them okay, but they still lose to them. That's right. They're four and two, and you look and you're like, okay, well that's, yeah. but they didn't. Yeah. They nope. they they took any confidence we had that the defense would keep them in games, and they flushed it the last two weeks, yep. which is what makes the the struggles of the offense make this whole thing seem hopeless. Because desperate. But if the if the if the good part of the team, if the defense gets their shit together, and dominates the charge, which they should be able to do. And then that defense should travel and goes to Philly. You might look up and go, "All right, they've got yeah. they've righted the ship." But it's got to happen in these next two weeks. They've got to go to Detroit. No, I have... Coming off, mm-hmm. it, it'd be nice if they can't. If they, sh- they, it would be nice if they go to Detroit coming off two wins. Because they well, can't, no, that's a, but I don't know that they will. That's it. That, that's in Chicago, by the way. They go to Detroit on Thanksgiving. Well, that's right. Come home for Detroit at five and three. <sighs> There even is that four, chance. Even if you're four and I, I, four, it's not a disaster. If you go to Philly and lose, it's not. It's not desperate. I, I agree with you. It starts with the defense, actually, and you hope that the defense can finally pick them up and buy them time. If that's if that's all, that obviously we're deeply concerned that the issues in the offense aren't something that can necessarily be resolved in just a few weeks, but I'm willing to allow that possibility. And that's what they need. They need the defense to make a stand, make it a close game. Maybe the offense gets some confidence back, makes a few plays when they win a couple close games, thanks to the D and maybe they somehow get on track. I mean, a guy, a kid can dream, right? Andy, <laughs> we've seen weirder things. <laughs> I mean, right. So, you know, we've got that going for us, which is nice or something. All right. So before we go, I I tweeted out. I really I really wanted to know this during the game during the World Series game one. I wondered what scenario would present itself where Hector Rondon would actually get to pitch for the Astros. We have found that scenario, and it's when the Nats are up holy ten, shit when the Nats are up ten to two in the eighth. Hector Rendon gets to pitch. <laughs> oh my God, dude! Let me tell you something. I do this in my in an office downstairs in my house. I don't have a TV, and I don't even put it on my phone because I don't want to be distracted. I just picked up my it was two to two, and Strasburg had a runner on second in the sixth inning, and I, and I just turn up my phone and see it's ten to two. So, wow! Thanks for that update. Wow. <laughs> I know my brother will be happy to hear that. He was ir- irrationally never a huge fan of Rondon, but oh man, that's yeah. ugly. And it's not ten to two anymore. Now it's eleven to two. Oh my gosh! All right, so uh, after that bright sunny forecast for the Bears, <laughs> the good thing Bear about it is if if you're if you're a diehard Bear fan who's irritated by the fact that this podcast seemed negative, just remember we're wrong about everything. So this is That's probably right. a good sign. This probably means the, That's start, what I... <laughs> the start of a 10-game uh, winning streak to finish the season, uh, but probably not. Yeah, no, I'll, and I'll gladly listen to, to this, but, uh, you know, <laughs> that, uh, you know, we'll see. It is funny. Again, I'll just remind you, remember when we beat the Vikings and we were, we were pointing and laughing at what, and they were in such disarray and yeah. they were backbiting and, sniping at each other and we were flying high it's you know it's like any other sport i guess even in only a 16 game schedule things can change uh, it's just after sunday it's it's just really hard for me to see that but i am willing to concede the possibility and god damn it you know you know we hope it happens so it's the least we can do since the since the bears beat the giants 16 to 6 or the beat the Vikings sixteen to six. The Vikings since the Bears the beat Vikings. the Vikings yeah. sixteen to six. The Vikings have let's see. That's uh sixty six. I gotta do math here. The Vikings have won the next three games by a combined score of a hundred and eight to sixty. Say it again. A hundred and eight to sixty. Wow. So things can turn that fast. And they have freaking Kirk Cousins, for God's sakes, which is basically right. Mitch only more expensive. But uh, 
Yeah. So, they also hey, actually run maybe. the ball. Yeah, that I know. Let's let's hope. I Maggie hate to be that meatball because I want to be the guy who's like, well, you know, you don't need to run the ball. Well, no, you don't need to run it all the time, but you got to run it once in a while. And they don't seem to want to yep. do that. And that that's got to change. That has to be the that'll be the first indication that they could turn this around is if they actually get after it and make a commitment to run the ball. And it might not work on the first drive or the second drive, but I tell you, we see what happens when it. you have Mitch out there chucking. That doesn't work either. No. So try it. Uh, I don't even know what the Chargers run defense is, but I'll just go out um, because I've, I'm already three IPAs into this podcast and just say that Montgomery's going to get his first 100-yard game of his career. Well, he's gonna Boom. Have, he's going to have to average 33 yards a carry, I think, if he's going to do that. <laughs> Whatever but he it could. takes. Maybe he will. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Mike. Let's. Uh, we'll All right, con- Andy. We will reconvene in a week, and uh, we'll we'll know a lot more forward, about the state of our beloved Bears. Looking forward to it, win, lose, or tie. So, go Bears! Go Bears! <laughs>